Welcome to episode 18 of Box Flap with me, John Stanton. You never know what you're going to get each week on Box Flap, and this week is no exception. So strap down your kids and hang on to your hats. Because we're going on a road trip on this week's episode of Box Flap. about me. I like digging in the dirt. This week's episode of Box Flap is brought to you by the First and Third Cafe in Warby, Minnesota. You know, I had this great road trip this past week and had the occasion to go to Warby and eat at the First and Third Cafe. Besides having a delicious home-style menu, they also have a very interesting backstory. Well, interesting if you like family drama, which I do. So, stay with me here. Jenny Fortin and Lori Fortin are co-owners of the First and Third Cafe. They aren't related, even though they have the same last name. Well, they are related by marriage, in that... They were both married to Darren Fortin. Darren Fortin's first wife was Jenny. Darren's third wife was Lori. And that's why the cafe is called the First and Third Cafe. Now here's where it gets even more interesting. <laughs> Darren's second wife, Alicia, uh, actually fiddled with some paperwork because she worked at the courthouse and her marriage never ended. Her second, the second marriage to Darren never ended. So that poor Lori Fortin, when she got married to Darren, he was still married to Alicia, the second wife. Well, at any rate, Darren, about three years into his uh, third almost marriage, the third relationship, I don't know how what you'd call it at this point, but he kind of got the feeling that maybe the grass was greener back in the second marriage pasture and so he used the information from Alicia to essentially annul his own third marriage and say sorry Lori but you know we never really were married legally and I think I still love my second wife Alicia so he left and then of course um you know the Lori and Jenny uh, former wives club I just kind of teamed up and decided to to make a point of doing well. You know, the best revenge is a life well lived. And that's why the food is so delicious at the First and Third Cafe. I was really impressed with their manhandler. In fact, here's sort of a uh, how the conversation went. When Lori came up to the table to take my order, um, she poured coffee without me even asking if I wanted any. Of course I did. And uh, I said, I'll, I think I'll have this manhandler on the menu. And I said, does that, uh, does that come with three pancakes? And, and uh, she said, how do, I, how do you want your steak done? I said, medium rare is fine, and I'll sign the waiver on that. And she said, do you want hash browns, baked potato, or tater tots? And I said, yeah, that sounds good. And then um, my friend ordered the pipe fitter. And the pipe fitter 
is actually um, like sausages that are wrapped, link sausages that are wrapped in French toast, and then they're battered and deep fried. Um, it doesn't come on a stick, but they do give you a stick just in case it acts up. So next time you're in Warby, Minnesota, I would encourage you to check out the First and Third Cafe. It's right there on the main street. The First and Third Cafe, a life well lived. I mentioned earlier that I like digging in the dirt, and I do. In fact, before I started recording today, I was actually outside getting filthy, uh, working in a new garden bed, and had to spend about 10-15 uh, minutes with a brush trying to get all the, all the dirt out of my crevices. And in the course of building gardens, you know, I'm often digging holes, and our house in St. Paul, I would uncover artifacts. There's artifacts in the ground, like old glass bottles or hooks or old metal nails that were you know, forged and those types of things. We have a small museum, marbles, you know, a small museum of items, artifacts that I found. And it just, it's fun. They just might not be worth anything to anyone else, but it's just a treat to find them because they've been hidden for from us for, you know, years, decades by, by the ground. And I just love finding those kinds of things. I remember when I was probably about eight or nine, I was playing next to my house in Annandale, Minnesota. And there was sort of a slope that led down into a swamp. And I was digging in the slope. And I think I was probably making little forts for my army men or GI Joe action figures or something along that, along those lines. And I found a really cool arrowhead that was chipped from like a redstone. I, I don't know what the stone was, but very cool, um, jaggedy edged arrowhead. Also found old pottery shards from, from Native Americans, whatever the tribe that would have been around that area. I do not know at this point. And also I found a big tooth. Now, I think the tooth may have been a bison tooth. I'm not sure, but it was it was very big. And I believe what happened was our house was new at the time. I believe that they filled uh, the land uh, with some with some dirt from some other site. And I think they disturbed an ancient burial mound. And that's why it ended up in our in our house, under our house. So we were one of those people that lived on an ancient burial mound. It's a theory. Anyway, I like finding things underground. Just imagine all the stories that are buried under our feet. That was part of the inspiration for my novel, Grave of Songs. Uh, in part, you know, I, I discovered a newspaper article from June of 1888, it's the Minneapolis St. Paul Pioneer Press, that talked about a burial mound discovered in Clearwater. The farmer was making a, like a cellar for a new building, and he dug up this mound and he found seven giant skeletons. And I've got a snapshot of that article on my author page on Facebook, so it's John Stanton Author. You can check that out, the original. The original article is posted there. Uh, 
that intrigued me and that was part of it but it also tied into my existing interest in getting dirty digging holes so i hope you'll uh, consider checking out grave of songs if you too are fascinated by the stories buried all around us Are you ready to have a little fun? Let's play some Think Off 3. I'd like to keep this, uh, let's keep this theme for today's Think Off 3 dirty. And not the way that you're thinking. So get your mind out of the gutter and get it into the ground. Think of three ancient objects that if you dug them up would merit their own museums. In other words, one day you're out in your yard you're digging a hole. You find an ancient object buried on your property. What would be worthy of its own museum? In other words, you're building a museum specifically for this object. You're not donating this object to an existing museum. Does that make sense? I've got a little bit more about that in the real world coming up in my road trip discussion. Three objects. In fact, Let's have a corollary to that. So you think think of those three ancient objects that required their own museums. And then tell me a little bit more about each of those museums. What would be unique about those museums? Have some fun with it. Use your imaginations and let me know. Chance underscore S at yahoo.com. You can voice message me through Anchor app. Or you can find me at Chance Danton Author on Facebook. Quick author update. Well, actually, I don't know how quick it will be, but stay with me. This is the road trip part. I took a road trip this past week. I went to Annandale, Minnesota, my hometown, to donate some copies of Grave of Songs to Pioneer Park. Pioneer Park is a pioneer village. It has a lot of the old buildings, the old barber shop, the old funeral parlor, the old um, town hall, the old churches that kind of thing and you can visit them and i would encourage you to do so it's really um, a nice facility laid out in an old town style and the people there are very nice and they're very committed to helping preserve uh, the history of annandale not only annandale though but the area and the midwest and pioneers in general so if you're passing through minnesota why not stop in annandale minnesota on highway 55 and that's not a sponsored message that's just good advice so I dropped off the books, had a nice chat with some of the folks at Pioneer Park, did a little interview with the Annandale Advocate. Thank you, Tom, for being there for that story in hopes of getting attention both on, of course, Grave of Songs, but also on Pioneer Park. That's where I apprenticed as a child with a master blacksmith named Tom Latinay. So I am hoping that they continue to thrive get some funds into their building fund so they can keep up their maintenance program and save the blacksmith shop, which the blacksmith shop is old and falling apart and may need to be re rebuilt. So anyway, I'm hoping that I can help them and also get my book into the hometown. Then it was on to Alexandria, Minnesota. 
And this actually ties back to the Think Off 3 challenge for today. Remember the uh, prompt was three ancient artifacts that were museum worthy. Well, essentially, back in the 1890s, a farmer in uh, the Alexandria area made a very interesting discovery underground when he was clearing land for planting. There was a tree that he uprooted, and in the roots of the tree, there was a stone that had runes inscribed on it. Now, this guy was not a learned man. I mean, he knew farming, and I think he might have had the equivalent of something like a sixth grade education or something. Not to say that he was not a smart person. That's not what I'm saying at all. Just that his book learning would have been very limited. And of course, farmers are very busy even now, but I imagine even back then they were more busy because, well, they had to get food out of the ground quickly to survive the winter. So they had a lot of things to do. They didn't have time to sit around and fake a, uh, fake runes. Anyway, so the rune stone um, was an amazing discovery. And so scholars have said, oh, it's got to be fake because what we think about history right now, it just doesn't align with, with our current belief in the way we see history, that kind of thing. But that rune stone combined with other artifacts in that museum, metal artifacts that were discovered around North America, suggest, I think, to any reasonable person <laughs> that there was a Viking settlement or expeditions, multiple, I would say multiple expeditions of Vikings into North America, probably over course of, you know, 200 years. I'm, I'm going to just postulate that without any actual knowledge, but it's amazing. And I think that we'll have to revise. Here, I'll put it like this. I think we don't know much about history. We think we know about history, but we don't know for sure. So a lot of it is just speculation, even in the history books. Great museum though if you get a chance go up there they have other things too like um, they have a uh, longboat replica they have uh, just pioneer displays they have native displays of, um, of beadwork and those types of things they have their own uh, pioneer type village uh, and it's, it's just good if you have kids it would be a blast to bring them there and after that I visited my pal Al over off of Battle Lake and we uh, got to take a look around Battle Lake, Minnesota, and it's just a great, that also is a great town. So whenever you're heading up 94, stop off Alexandria, and then keep going up to Battle Lake, and uh, say hi to my pal Al. He is in part the inspiration for my next book that I'm working on, the Norwegian Pontoon Mafia series, and the first book in that series is called Lake Level. And before I left the Battle Lake area, I visited a, an older couple that my wife and I had met up there um, several years ago, and they were just the nicest people. And so I popped in to see how they were, and thankfully they were still alive, they are living on the farm, and uh, as soon as I knocked, they started making coffee. So I came in, and in typical old-time Minnesota fashion, we chatted and drank 
enormous amounts of coffee in a short amount of time. It was really good to see them. Anyway, on the way out of their farm, uh, the, the woman had to, um, her name is Diane. Diane had to push a gray cat out of the drive because gray mama cat wanted to just roll around. And uh, I was trying to drive through. So the gray cat looked just like the cat that I used to have growing up in Annandale. And I'm going to make this into a quick little circle story. So anyway, we, when I was growing up, we had gotten that cat from a farm. So here's farm to farm. That's part of the circle story. All right. So I left. The cat was moved safely out of the way. I left that area. I was heading back towards my home in southern Minnesota. And I thought, you know, I'm just not quite ready to let this trip be over yet. So I, I returned to Annandale one more time because I'd realized I had not been to the cemetery uh, for years. And I thought it might be appropriate to visit the Annandale Cemetery and just to see if I could see any of the, the old names that appear in my novel, Grave of Songs. Well, I pulled in, parked, and the first grave that I walked to was Margaret Daniels. Mrs. Daniels was the, was the woman who gave me my gray cat. And that's the other part of the circle story. And it gave me chills to stand there. And I, was, I spoke to her because she was such a nice lady. So that was a, an interesting little synchronicity, if you will, on that trip. And then I headed home after that. Normally I reach into the box of this segment to bring up creative work from the past, but I think I'd rather dig in a little further on my visit to the Runestone Museum because something really interesting happened there this week during my visit. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the men in black type stories where someone may have like an alien encounter and then suddenly they're visited by men in black who ask them a lot of questions and maybe try to dissuade them from their story. Well, while I was at the Ruinstow Museum, I was looking at the inscriptions on the runestone through the plexiglass, and I noticed two men who were standing right behind me. They weren't there when I walked in, and they were both wearing suits. It was a nice day outside, and I had shorts on, and so it was very unusual to see these two guys right behind me, because I did not hear them come in. and. I said, oh, hi, I didn't see you there, or something along those lines. And one of them said, that was intentional. And I said, oh, okay, well, and I was just going back to my own, my own contemplation of all things Viking. And one of them said, so what do you think about this rune stone? Is it real? And I said, yeah, I, th I think it is, because I'd seen some of the other artifacts around, and I watched the informational video and it just, it's, it seems very legit. And one of the men said, well, you know, there's a lot of questions about this, about whether it's authentic or not. In fact, it's dangerous to question the official story. Well, I like to question the official story on most things because I'm a critical thinker. So I said, oh, really? Well, what do you, 
what do you propose? You know, how do you explain these all these artifacts? And and he didn't really say anything, but he did point to his partner, and then his partner just started talking in another language. I don't even know what it was. It wasn't Spanish. It wasn't like Chinese. I couldn't even tell you exactly what it was. And then the most amazing thing happened. Out of his jacket pocket, he pulled a copy of my novel, Grave of Songs. And the first man in black said, did you write this? And then I, I knew I was in trouble. But I tried to stay calm and I said, oh, you want me to sign that for you? But they didn't smile. They were very serious. They had their sunglasses on inside too. That was really unnerving. And the one, the first man in black said, there are some dangerous things in here. Now he could have been talking about the lightning strike. He could have been talking about the child abuse. He could have been talking about the Finnish neighbors, but I knew he meant the bones of the giants. And that's when I knew that these two men were from the Smithsonian Institute. So if you're feeling a little dangerous, consider purchasing Grave of Songs. It's available online or at Sweet Reads in Austin or at Giants of the Earth Heritage Center in Spring Grove. Hopefully soon to be at the Buffalo Books and Coffee in Buffalo, Minnesota. And it's at Pioneer Park in Annandale, Minnesota. going to do it for this episode of Box Flap. Thank you for joining me. I really appreciate you taking the time. So try to get out there and live your best life this week. And until next week, keep on flapping. <laughs>